Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hello. And Dave. What up? Tori has house guests and can't join us, but she should be back next week. Hello? Uh, like, like from a different country. Yep. House guests. Uh, so we start a week with good thing. Craig, what's your good thing this week? Guys, uh, I finally watched Spider-Man Far From Home. It's pretty good. Is that the new it. cartoon one? No, that that was Into the Spider-Verse. Which uh, is also not bad. I like Far From Home better, though, just because I, I, I don't know. I just do. Oh, I freaking love Spider-Verse. Far From Home was alright, but Spider-Verse is basically perfect. Um, I mean, the thing I like about Spider-Verse is that he, Miles there. It's good to get uh, some screen time for him. Miles uh, Brower? Sure. Um, Miles Morales. Yeah, he's in the, the book, the comic book. Um, anyway, but yes, I, I finally caught up this time with uh, my MCU. And, you know, in general, uh, I'd, I'd like... The MCU. I mean, I I don't think that's a controversial opinion, but <laughs> if Disney screws up horribly and makes some cash grabs and doesn't produce good movies, or we can't get you know, because no more um, RDJ, so no good Iron Man. But you know, things could go bad. We still have this block of movies that are good. What happened to Robert Downey Jr.? Retired from the MCU movie. Um, okay. Sure. So, yeah. uh, so yeah, so we have these block of movies that we could just go rewatch, enjoy, maybe with the exception of a couple that I don't really want to rewatch again. I, I will rewatch most of them. And that is pretty good. I'm glad we have this thing that exists and that you can also just watch the movies on your own. You don't have to watch in order like, I don't know, Lord of the Rings or something. You could just, just watch whatever. Just like, I feel like watching Iron Man today and you watch Iron Man. It just happened. Actually, I do that with Doctor Strange a lot, by the way. Another good thing. I really like Doctor Strange. Yeah, good stuff. All right. Uh, Dave, what's your good thing this week? Oh, my good thing this week is, and I'm going to put a warning out in advance that this may irritate listeners of ours that are fans of the band Fish, if such listeners exist. Uh, they're a fairly popular band. Some people might be hard, hardcore dedicated fans of them. And I apologize to you, dedicated fan base of Fish, but I really like the song Bouncing Around the Room. Wait, so why would that annoy Fish fans? Well, that's like saying your favorite Beatles song is like A Day in the Life or something. Or like, oh, my favorite Grateful Dead song is Truckin'. Like, and which I would take offense at those. So I, I get where you're coming from, Fish fans, but I really like Bouncing Around the Room. It's because it's their big famous hit song. That I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but then again, I'm not in well, any if you, kind of fandom like that. Yeah, if you were a fan of a musician or artist, you would you would think it's still like their popular stuff, though. You can, but like, it's you can't think that it's you can't think that it is better writing or better quality than the deeper stuff. I don't know. It just seems weird. Don't Man, tell me a, what I can't think. Yeah, this is a. A different thing, but hey, you know. Uh, you can think that, but it's not common. Hence the warning. But anyway, Bouncing Around the Room, it's a song by Fish, spelled with a PH. Uh, real catchy. 
clever lyrics. Uh, it does get a little repetitive, but the instrumentation um, during the part where they start repeating the words, the instruments kind of layer on and make kind of like a little echo. And there's a really nice, once it gets to the part where they start playing the archipelagos and like, and it's like, it gets real sick. It's pretty good. I like it a lot. All right. Uh, so my good thing this week is I'm redoing one because there's new stuff about it. Uh, and that one is Slay the Spire. Yeah. Which I played is, that recently. Yeah. I've been watching Dave play that recently. Uh, it is, once again, a, uh, a deck-building roguelike computer game, which is, is some serious plug-into-my-brain-and-make-something-out-of-the-pieces type stuff. And since I last listed them as one of my good things, uh, they've added two full characters, uh, bringing them up, them up to a total of four playable characters, each with their own unique decks and cards. They've added, like, a bunch of modes of play. You can do, like, custom with... You can go through this, like, huge long checklist of stuff you want to add to make the gameplay go differently. They've got a daily mode where it's basically they pick a custom setting and you go with that and a, and a specific character, usually. And you're playing with the same uh, random number initialization that other players are, so you can compare your score. Correct. Um, they've also got Ascension, which is after you've beaten the game, like after you've gone through all the way to the to the air quotes final boss, because it's not actually the real final boss yet. Uh, oh yeah, um, because Act 4 didn't exist back yeah. when we had Slay of the Good Things. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, they've also added Act 4. Which is, if you do some extra, slightly more difficult stuff over the course of your run, you get access to a fourth area that you normally can't get to, and everything's even tougher. And it's great. It's it's just it's a super fun game. I wish I had a better feel for the new the newest character. I don't really feel like I understand her yet, but I'll get there. I've played her a few times. I'm getting the hang of her. Uh, it definitely helps to watch other streamers playing Slay the Spire. Uh, I really like Baylor Lord. He's, he's almost always, like, every day popping into his channel, at least for a little bit. Because I love, he's got a great voice. He plays the game. He knows it extremely well. And no matter how tedious it must be getting for him, he explains every single thing he's doing every time he's doing it. And it really helps. Link him in good things, Dave. Yeah, I will. Uh, I didn't, that's interesting. I didn't actually realize that Defect was new when I started playing it. Because I remember it was your good thing, and then shortly after that I picked up the game, and Defect was already in the game. I didn't realize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Defect at that point was brand new. Um, when I was playing with it, it was still in, like, the beta branch, so it hadn't quite made it into the, the, to the dead main branch? game yet. Dead I Branch is one right. of the relics in the game. It's one of the most fun relics to combo abilities with. You throw that on the ironclad and just... Oh, man. Happen. So, yeah. Uh, Slay the Spire. Having a lot of fun with it again. Um, so, all right, Dave. When last we spoke, you had a homework assignment. Would you like to tell us about that? Oh, uh, yeah. So, during the first interlude, we met three, quote, foreigners, and you told me that they were world hoppers and that Two of them were characters that I have encountered before, and I have some guesses on who they are. One of them, you said that I would recognize by his name, and one of them is named Timo, which sounds a lot like Demo 
from the Mistborn trilogy. So that's one guess. That Temu is Demu. And the second guess? And my second guess, Galarfanarf? Oh my god. <laughs> Galadon. Galadon. That was my. That's in the Galarfanarf. day Wait, is this another clip from Kung Pao? I implore you to reconsider. <laughs> okay, and anyway, the way that he kind of acted, the way he kind of talked funny, reminded me of. I remembered him as the guy that says Dolokin from Elantris. <laughs> yep. And I was trying to remember his name, and I wrote Galarfanarf. And uh, Craig corrected me and said his name was Galadon. And then I couldn't remember that yeah, whether or not Galadon had died in Elantris. And Craig says that he hasn't, so that's my guess for the other guy. All right, you're two for two. All right, and he said I wouldn't know who the other foreigner was. Right, he's from White Sands, which we haven't gotten to yet. Oh, so I get to reverse guess that one. Sure. I mean, you you really won't need to. You'll get it pretty much right away. If you really okay. remember that far in the future. You can't remember stuff in the future, Craig. It hasn't happened yet. <laughs> this looks like the tongue guy. It is the tongue guy. Um, so yeah, that is, those are, those are Demu and Galadon. Demu you're supposed to get from the name, Temu, Demu, yeah. And then Galadon by constantly saying, understand. It's really his speech patterns. Yeah. Which, if we remember and think back to our Mistborn days, man. You mean Elantris? No, I'm talking about Sazed in the, uh, in the epigraph. Okay. But yeah, um, if you'll recall in Elantris... Galadon constantly ended his sentences with, oh, uh, jeez, what was what was Dolokin. Sol? Sule? Sule's friend. Well, he says that a lot, too. He does. But Com- the, the one that oh, means man. understand. Dolokin means idiot, I think. Kolo, maybe? Kolo, to... yeah, that's yeah. it. Okay. Yeah, he says Kolo at the end of most of his sentences, which means understand, because that's sort of his speech pattern. Oh, there we go. Gaz got it right before we did, I'm pretty sure. Anyway. Uh, let's get back to Wave Kings. You read chapters 13 through 15, correct? That is correct. Yeah, you did it. All right. Uh, chapter 13 is one of my favorite of the whole book, and I would like to hear you tell me about it. <laughs> That's a friendly. All right. Uh, chapter 13 is titled Ten Heartbeats, and that title comes from the fact that it takes ten heartbeats to... Summon your mist sword, uh, shard blade. <laughs> no, wait, mist sword. <laughs> so, well, it's ten heartbeats. So if your heart is going faster, you can summon your blade faster. Ten actual heartbeats, not poetic or anything like that. It's ten literal heartbeats. All right, my first note says Cosmere because that was mentioned in the epigraph, and wait, I don't that's remember the name of our show. Yeah. No, thanks, thanks to Brandon for noticing us, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know if we have actually seen the word Cosmere up to this point. Maybe toward the end of the Mistborn trilogy we did, and I might have made note of it, but I didn't really have enough context to really get. Yeah, there's a chance Ruin slash AT might have said it, but I'm not certain. Yeah, I, I certainly would have seen it in Elantris, but there's a chance AT actually said it. Alright, chapter 13 proper. Chasm Fiend should have a beefy arm just for good measure. Consummate bees. I said consummate bees. He had <laughs> consummate bees all over, dude. Uh, Oathbringer, Sunraiser. I think those are the names of swords. Correct. Fight. Stupid King stoops again. Aww. The Blackthorn awakens. 
GG. All right, so this is a, a continuation where we left off in Chapter 12 last week, right as the Chasm Fiend begins to attack the characters. And it gets all fighty, and uh, Alinar, uh, he has to... He uh, steps up and he's the guy. He's the guy in this chapter. Like, he hasn't been the guy for so long because of slightly because of his visions and things and partially because of getting older and more timid and people talk behind his back and stuff. He doesn't care what they think, but he hasn't really been seen as the guy in a long time. But he's the guy in this scene. And so they have to, the, the chasm fiend has 20 legs or 16 legs or something. That's a, a lot. Many. many. He has many lots legs. Many lots legs. And so uh, Dalinar and Juniornar are chopping away at the legs with their sword blades. And so the sword blade can't cut through living flesh. So when it comes in contact with the leg, it just kills the nerves in the leg. So that's the... Which is actually kind of probably more effective than actually severing a leg other than not being able to make it bleed, but the Chasm Fiend still has to carry the weight of that leg without the power of that leg. So they start getting there, and then King Elohim is like, oh, I'm gonna go in and be the hero! And then he goes and almost gets crushed on. That's exactly what he sounds like in my head. Talonar has to go and be the guy and save him, and catches a catches like a claw or something like the. Chasm Fiend is about to crush attack with his claw or something, or cast guillotine or something, and uh, Dalinar's like, he has to catch the claw before it crashes down on the king, and while he's holding up the weight of this enormous beast, uh, Adeline goes around, he chops down, well, severs the nerves, I guess, of enough more legs so that the Chasm Fiend actually falls down, and then they slay the Chasm Fiend, and one thing I didn't quite get is so once the Chasm Fiend is actually slain, it's no longer living, right? So the shard blades can actually cut into its flesh. But it, it seemed like they chopped its head off or something. I forget exactly. But it seemed like they chopped his head off for killing him. Or maybe like the blade coming in contact with the neck killed him. And then the the rest of that sweep severed his head or whatever they severed. I forget. So uh, it was either the spine or the brain that the shard blade came into contact with. I don't remember which. Okay. So a few things here. This is exactly why Way of King- Kings needs to be like animated in some way. If the, if it becomes oh, yeah. a TV series, you got you need the scene. It needs to be. It is anime. This needs to, be, and it has to look really cool. Just do a Tarantino thing, like like Kill Bill. Just have one anime scene. <laughs> Just one. And yeah. this, is, this is it. This chapter thirteen. This is the anime scene. I like the idea of having the Spren be animated. I think that, actually, I think Tarantino could do a good job of this scene with live action. Um, and the other thing, of course, is shard blades sever the soul when you cut through a limb or something. Yeah, but uh, the soul isn't, the soul isn't he, in the leg, Craig. The soul's at the bottom of the foot. No, no. <laughs> Check and mate, Craig. So I guess if you swipe it through the spine or something, it's going to kill it because you're severing, you know, the main... It's whole soul. Yeah, it's whole soul. Gold bowl. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. 
So this this chapter is an example of a big dumb fight scene that is done really well to have like an exciting fight and also does a pretty good job of developing characterization, advancing plot, like letting us get to know these people a little better. Uh, it it tells mechanics you it tells well. you mechanics of the world and the magic system. Like this this is a a nearly perfect big dumb fight. Like this is how you do a big dumb fight. Hey Tori, what do you think? I think it's an excellent fight scene. What? Where'd Tori come from? Hi. What's your good thing? I have company, and we were playing board games, but they killed me, so I jumped ship to come do this instead. Wait, what, what are board you, are game? Are playing Bang? Uh, we're playing something called Dungeon Mayhem. Okay. Where you've got a bunch of uh, heroes and a bunch of monsters. I was playing as Hoots Magoots, the dancing owlbear. <laughs> Hoots Magoots. <laughs> yeah, and and so you you uh, you fight it out with each other to try to get all the treasure, and uh, anyway, I died. This reminds me of hanging out with Craig and his in laws, and we would play a card game called Bang. It was a hit and roll game, and you could die and be out of the game, and the game carry on for several hours with you in the living room watching TV, well, <laughs> <laughs> with me sitting I- there. I will say that I played that at work, and we're a little bit better about ending the game eventually. But we we had our time where we continue to play for another <laughs> half hour, hour more, just because people are so evenly matched. Yeah, Bang has its faults, but it is still fun. Yeah, that that so, sounds like a problem for the dude on the couch. We just started. Who may chapter, or may not be game. We, we, we just summarized chapter thirteen. Uh, we were talking about the big dumb fight and how it has to be anime. And I still say, if you're the sheriff. The odds are you just randomly off somebody because you're more likely to take out an enemy than a yeah. deputy. But the problem with that strat, though, is that if you kill your deputy, it's game over because then it's easy for the outlaws to win at that point. Okay, you're, so you're talking about Bang now? Uh, yeah, yeah, chapter 14 of okay. this of this book is just they all sit down and play Bang for several hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, three of them play Bang for several hours, but that one explains, of them... That explains why the book is so long. <laughs> Adeline's the deputy. He can't, he can't renegade too well. Mm, chapter 14. Chapter titled Meowth used payday. Wake up, chumps. Kaladin has no authority. Yet. Gaz says that you can't have authority without a rank or title, but Kaladin says you get authority from those who give it to you. But I already knew that because of Spook. Spren don't sleep, but what about Snore Spren? Kaladin walks the plank, back and forth in the lumberyard. Everyone in Bridge 4 has doubled their chances of survival, not because they started training, but because they have names now. Silfrena is changing. So... I'm looking forward to the day when you stop calling her Sulfrena. Why? I don't like her nickname. Her her name well, is Sulfrena. You're gonna have to get used to it. I know that uh, Kaladin refers to her as Sil, and ugh, that's how the book puts it. But Sulfrena is just such a pretty name. I I wouldn't dare shorten it. Okay. So, would you like to expand upon your bullet points now? Yeah. Wake up, chumps. Uh, Kaladin <laughs> is now the bridge leader, and he wants to whip his crew into shape. He wants to make it so that nobody... On- he wants to make it so that Bridge 4 has no more casualties, and he manages to get all of the bridgemen out of the sleeping bags and out 
out of the tent even and they're standing around and he's like Kaladin's like all right we're gonna start doing drills but then this one like tall redhead guy is like oh ha 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 you can't do nothing and then Kaladin's like hey what Gaz can I do something and Gaz is like nope you don't have any authority unless we're actually on a run and then Kaladin gets all mad and Gaz is hiding because Kaladin's mad and Gaz is one of them wiener boys who doesn't want to be stood up to. And so Sylphrena goes around and uh, finds where his hiding spot is. Kaladin sneaks up behind him and Kaladin's like, give me my money. And Gaz is like, here you go, four spheres. But then Kaladin says, nah-uh-uh, five spheres. And Gaz is all like, oh, but you said I would get to keep a sphere. And he said, no, you give me my five spheres and I will pay you one sphere. I want you to remember that it's because of me that you're getting this extra money. He wants to keep him in line. And then uh, Spren don't sleep for some reason. I don't know why I wrote that. Oh, so Kaladin, you know, Kaladin doesn't yet have the respect of his uh, of his bridge bridgemen, but that's not going to stop him from keeping himself in shape. So he goes over to the lumberyard grabs a big old heavy plank and runs it back and forth instead of gambling and carousing like the other guys are doing. And he does start to draw a crowd here. And, you know, the bridge for people are like, hmm, and that's about it. And then Kaladin has to go and rest. And he's trying to take a take like a little quick five minute nap. And Sophrena is like, like poofs him in the face. And she's like, I got to tell you something important. She's like, I know what lying is and what death is and what poison leaves is. How come I know that? I'm a spread and I'm not supposed to know all that stuff. Why am I? Why do I remember things and know more than I should? She's, and then he's like, oh, maybe he did know it and he forgot. And that's the end of chapter 14. So, so, so think about this from the perspective of a bridge for the bridge for crew member. Your whole time is spent going on these horrible bridge runs when there is some sort of battle or fight that they have to take care of. Otherwise, what do you want to do in your free time? Gamble and money. Probably sleep. Probably I, sleep. Personally, I would just sleep. You don't want to have to wake up early and be in some kind of weird military thing. It's hard, man. How, how do you convince people like that that you have a better plan, that you're going to whip them into shape, and that will allow you to survive? And actually, maybe even with ooh, ooh, a I, little bit. I know, I know, I know. You do it by exam. Yes, I think that's what Kaladin is doing. You do it with a training montage. <laughs> All right. So yeah, we don't know quite what's going on with Sylphrena here, but if I had to guess, it has more to do with Kaladin than it does with Sylphrena herself. So, so what? Do you have any other thoughts on this? Or just that, like, you know what she's remember? Is she remembering stuff Kaladin knows? Like, she's sharing thoughts? What do you think? What are your thoughts? I don't know. I think that Kaladin it probably has something to do with shards, if I were to guess. Something. <laughs> <laughs> it's like every book in the Cosmere. Something to do about shards. I keep telling you that's our tagline. Gotta do good stuff. Chapter 15. Chapter 15. The Decoy. Lots of causalities? I don't think that's what I meant to write. I'm going to chalk that up to autocorrect, Spren. Uh, lots of casualties. <laughs> is, do those look like a paperclip? 
Mrs. Dalinar is forgotten. That one I did write wrong on purpose. Uh, scouts can Aladdin across the chasm. Sedeus looks like Prince Humperdinck. Wow, Sedeus is actually the worst. You must find the important word. The must find the most important words a man can say. Directly quoted from The Way of King. It was in the prologue where King Havarti gets killed by an unidentified assailant. Wow, Sedeus is really going for the Zane Award. Wit reminds me of that Shakespeare character, Fool. Is oh, he Fool, does. Is Fool also a world hopper? Think he about it. Is I think he is. Fool is a world hopper. Think about it. It might even be from the Cosmic. So all Shakespeare books are now written by Brandon Sanderson. Oh, headcanon accepted. <laughs> all right. And that was my big Dave theory of the week, is that Shakespeare is part of the Cosmere. All right. Uh, Just imagine the implication. Cut, strap, high prince bathtub, lumber schmumber. Dalinar is always serious. Dalinar was drunk on a drab. Sedekoy. Shard plate can reform, even if it's shattered. And that's the end of chapter decoy. So we have a casualty report coming in from Adeline here. And or causality report. I don't know. <laughs> Probably casualty. <laughs> Sir, some <laughs> things happened because some things happened before then. <laughs> but what? You need a proper report. Don't summarize this. <laughs> And then we have a quick thing where uh, Dalinar doesn't remember Adeline's mother. Uh, he can remember scenes that she was in, but she specifically is blurred out. Like someone went and edited his copper mines or something like that. Uh, and so they're waiting for a uh, bridge crew to come and help them. Oh, so the... The uh, giant crab boss knocked out their bridge, so they need to get one of the mobile bridges and to uh, help them get back home. But the scouts, they can... You know how, like, in Aladdin, when he pole vaults from building to building, they can do that across the chasm. The scouts can. I and remember in Aladdin, Aladdin that he had to eat to live, and he had to steal to eat. Steal to only eat. Aladdin and scouts have that skill. And Jasmine. Jasmine does it, too. Well, spoiler alert, the girl that Aladdin... In- Wait, that's Jasmine? <laughs> <laughs> oh man sorry we should edit that so it goes back into spoiler town <laughs> alright uh, what else we got here uh, so Sadeus I or Sadius I kind of imagine him being like a chubby bald guy but he has long curly black hair like Prince Humperdinck he kind of is like Prince Humperdinck I think I'm gonna cast Prince Humperdinck as Sadius and so Sadius is actually the worst it's Basically, his idea that people in Kaladin's situation are in such a bad situation, and he has no remorse for the losses and no foresight to think about what will happen when he runs out of people he considers to be expendable. And uh, Dalinar doesn't like that. Dalinar would rather use the trolls and wheelie-dealies and... You know, not use human beings as arrow fodder. Uh, okay, now Dalinar remembers the final words that uh, the that King Havarti. It's a kind of cheese. Um, his that his brother wrote on his on his death time. His brother wrote, "You must find the most important the most important words a man can say." Yeah, and that's uh, 
It it turns out that that's really interesting because men aren't supposed to be literate in this world, or at least in this kingdom. So it was kind of a shameful thing that the the uh, the other king was able to write, you know. And also, it's from a book that it's uh, the what do they call it the the standards or something. You guys, the book is the way of kings. Yeah, you're thinking of the Aleti codes. I I don't know if I'm no, but the the book is yeah. The title of said book is the way of kings, and it's a very unpopular book. And it was it written by Brandon Sanderson uh, in a meta sense. Yeah, it might have been written by William Shakespeare. We don't know. Anyway, the other thing you're trying to come up with is the Aleti codes of war. Yeah, the codes. They just call it the codes usually. So yeah, so people don't like the codes. Sorry. Oh wait, well, wrong world history. So it's the codes, and old king was trying to bring the codes back. Maybe that's why he got assassinated. I don't know. And he was trying to re- he was trying to unite the princes, and before he got off, and then so Dalinar is picking up the codes, and he's like, "Well, let's bring the codes back, guys. Stop bickering. Let's stop." fighting for vengeance it's not worth it but no one wants to hear that because to the alethi everything is a competition and competition is everything so yeah sadius oh in, in addition to sadius being awful he also insults dalinar's sons right in front of the king and wit is there and wit helps set him in his place and Dalinar sets him in his place like you wouldn't dare do anything dual worthy right in front of the king when we need to protect the king uh okay and the king oh yeah so the king forgot to mention fell off his horse this horse strap broke the girth I think it's called and so he thinks king thinks that there's foul play afoot so he has Dalinar and Adeline comes with him inspect the girth and it looks like it may have been cut, but it would have been a pretty ineffective way to try to coordinate the king's death. Unless they also somehow coordinated the troll, the giant troll in Raging. So we have Adeline doesn't really trust uh, Sedeus, but his dad's like, well, I don't. He does. His dad never admits to not liking Sadius, but it's obvious that he doesn't. Uh, however, he does trust him when it comes to protecting the king, even though they go about it in their own ways. Uh, so they both kind of failed the king. Dalinar was drunk when and passed out when the king died. And then also Sadius came up with this decoy plan instead of staying by the king's side. So they, it, at least Dalinar thinks that they're, are, they are both somewhat to blame for the king's death. I mean, the decoy uh, plan almost. Yeah, it's true. Which is actually interesting since we got that chapter or the, that prelude from the assassin's perspective. Right. We know that he was actually going for the decoy initially. Um. So one thing that I noted here is that so far these Dalinar slash Adeline chapters go back and forth. Like you'll have one scene from dad, one scene from kid. It'll go back and forth. And there are, are a couple points which seem to be repetitive but i am guessing that brandon was intentional enough to have them come from different characters so like you would have dalinar's perspective during the troll fight and the horse saddle breaks but then adeline comes in during the recap and re-explaining how the strap broke in the middle of the fight to remind us as readers but in world it's not redundant because it's coming from a different character's perspective so 
Uh, that, I think that's a little, that's pretty clever. I like it. Just in case the reader forgot, there it is again. But just in case the astute reader does remember, well, it's not technically repetitive. So what you're saying is Brandon Sanderson do write good. Yeah. And Bart Card reads good. We certainly know he's not a lefty. Unless he dictated it to some uh, one of the, the scholarly. Alright, so the uh, the reading Art. thing is actually a religious basis. Uh, it is it is a Vorin teaching that men are not allowed to learn how to read. Are they Although not, they can read the eyebrow glyphs. guys? They can read glyphs. No, you're thinking of Thalens, I believe? They, yeah, uh, the there are several countries that are considered Vorin, as in like that's that's their dominant religion in the in the region. And then there are other places that don't follow the Vorin teachings and the men there are totally allowed to read and you know, they can they can do whatever they want. And all of the point of view characters are Vorin in some way. Okay. So At it the was moment, yes. I wasn't sure. I figured that it was maybe an Alephi thing, not an entire world thing, because we do have foreigners in Alethia that own bookstores. Right? Car. Yeah. And yeah, that during sh- one of Shalon's chapters, she actually mentions that she's pretty sure the bookseller can read and does read for himself, but for the, for the sake of propriety, since they are in a boring kingdom, uh, he has his wife handle that publicly, mm. and and he doesn't claim to to read, but it's likely that he does. By the way, this is the same religion that claims females have to cover up their left left hand, their safe hand. Craig, don't be lewd. <laughs> this is a this is your plug for safe hand hub. This is a PG rated <laughs> podcast. Not safe for boards. Where's that NSFW or V tag? By the way, one of my favorite memes on the, the Cosmere and the Stormlight Archives Reddit is everything related to Vornism. We have a safe hand hub. We have every time a female is posted, especially on the Stormlight Archives Reddit, um, anytime a female is posted and you can see her left hand, oh my gosh, people <laughs> freak out. And you have oh, to yeah. put an NSFB tag That's on the post. It's Speaking so good. Of, uh... Being of NSF, I I now remember the order of Scandinavian countries because it's NSFD, not safe for Dave. So like <laughs> all of the spoilers for the Cosmere are Scandinavian now because it's Norway, Sweden, Finland, and then on this, you know the South uh, Peninsula, Denmark. That's funny. Yeah, I mean I already knew their order, but now I can remember it even better. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know the order, so I'm gonna remember. But now, not safe for Dave. All right. Uh, do we have anything else for Dave before we boot him? Uh, I don't think so. I don't have any. Okay. Then, Dave, go away. Bye, Bye. Dave. Bye, uh, Dave. First spoiler, the girl that Aladdin meets on the street at the Apple stand is Princess Jasmine. <laughs> All right. Dave's gone. I can play the thing and I can cut the Aladdin thing. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. Aww, but he likes that one. Also, you know you won't. (laughs) We can just leave it where it was in the first place. It's fine. Anyway. So... I started my reread of Way of Kings. I feel so bad, guys, because there's actually a lot I wanted to talk about in the prelude and prologue and whatever else. And I didn't realize it 
because I didn't know until I reread it. And I'm like, holy crap, there's so much here in those two chapters. Uh-huh. And we didn't talk about it. And I, 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 di- I didn't write it down, so I'm not like I want to talk about it now. I'm yeah, just because saying, now it's too late. I feel bad for our listeners because there's some nice, juicy stuff there. And it sounded like we didn't care. I care. I just, I didn't know You just didn't time. care enough to start reading when we I did. I was finishing the Black Prism. Whatever the heck. Um, so, yeah. with regards to these chapters. These chapters, uh, I, I have a couple of things. Okay. Uh, so, first off, Wit, a.k.a. Hoyd, yeah. super duper writing everyone around him, right? Like, like pretty clearly, he's making Sadius mad, he's making Elicar like him, yep. he's... Yep. Like he he's trying to bolster Renarin Renarin's confidence. He's on team good guy. At least that's what he's presented us. Probably throwing some soothing at Dalinar to keep him from you know. And the key point is drawing Whit out will, his shard blade and killing Sadius. Wit will insult anyone, but he doesn't really insult Dalinar, Adeline, and Renarin that much. I don't think he insults Renarin at all because they're the only people that aren't giant screw up man babies around him. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and, and so, yeah, I, I'm 100% certain that he's just throwing emotional alamancy all over the place, um, uh, trying to get Sadius to kill him publicly with his sword so he could just fake his death and then come back, because Sadius literally can't kill him. And, and I, I think that's one of the rules, if you actually kill the wit and you're caught, then you lose your nobility status or something? You lose all rank, all titles, all lands, all property just everything you are you are done you cease to exist as a person and but yet it's legal somehow the weight is and end, ends up dying anyway usually not this one but right but yeah if you can do it in secret then you know it's fine but wit is not concerned about that because sadius does not have the resources to kill him so doing it in secret will mean he just shows up again the next day although if he can encourage a duel between sadius and dalinar that's another way to deal with Sadius, because there's no way Dalinar's losing that. I mean, it would have been Adolin, not Dalinar. Adolin's the dueler, but... Oh, true, but I don't think you could... I guess you could designate a champion. I don't know. Man, if in uh, in Words for Radiance, if they had known about Wit having, you know, emotional allomancy, they totally would have just asked him to help with the whole we'll challenge all these people to duels plan. Well, so that's sort of the issue. Hoyd does lie low, otherwise he would be a huge crutch for our main characters. Regardless of where he is, because he has all of these powers, he needs to stay on the sidelines and not admit that he has these powers. Oh man, how badly does Elokar need a Tindwill? Oh my gosh! Like literally, he needs one Tindwill, and he could stop screwing up all the time. I mean, he's still paranoid. I'm not sure if Tindwill would be able to solve that, and that I mean, because he's paranoid for good reason, because he sees the cryptic. He um, sees the cryptics in the mirrors, and his father was assassinated super publicly. Yeah. Like, and and he has had the, the strap being cut. He did himself, obviously, but there have been, like, other low-effort attempts on his life that I don't think anyone else has noticed or paid attention to, and they just right. chalk it up to Elokar's um, paranoia. paranoia, yeah. but... Like he's noticing, and it's, he, he would have isn't it Graves who that. keeps who keeps sending these? Who Graves? We meet him in the second book. He's part of the 
the offshoot diagram. I kind of remember something about him doing that. Yes. So yeah, there there have been many like low effort, low chance of success attempts on Elicar's life, and yeah. in order to get someone to pay attention to it, finally, Elicar cuts his own strap. Right. And so yeah, if he had Tinwell to help actually make him a good king, plus he actually bonds with his cryptic, so he has powers, in which case he could defend himself a little bit, he might have turned out really well. Then we had Mosh. Moash. And yeah, whatever his name you is. You know what? Yasna would have helped there, too. If she weren't so busy doing her thing and then getting stabbed and getting trapped in Shadesmar, like, she, yeah, she, she would have been a big help here, too. Well, um, but speaking of Moash, uh, he is, of course... I think I think he's referred to by name finally. Yeah, so, I yeah. believe he's the first guy that uh, Kaladin drags out. He yes, is. He is. It was I mean, very satisfying. Teft is mentioned, I think, before the the interlude, right? So we we also met Teft, didn't we? Yes, we I did. think so. And then yeah. Rock is the one who uh, comes and tries to pick up the board that Kaladin was using. He's like, "Oh, I just lost a bunch of money on bets because I figured you were using a light fake." <laughs> So we have the, the makings of Bridge Force. It's a shame that Moash is there as well. And we're going to have to deal with him for a couple bucks before he, he has his turn and he's a jerk. But the the reason that all of that works so well and why you hate Moash is because you don't hate Moash for a long time. He's he's a good, interesting character. Like, he's a pretty helpful guy for Kaladin to have around. I mean, he's still an interesting character. He's doing stuff, it's just that he's doing the wrong stuff. Like, he's he's the character that you want to now dislike, but that doesn't mean he's poorly written. It's just that he, his motivations aren't what you would like to see from the, the protagonist. I mean, he's a direct in-book example of what if Kaladin made different choices. Yeah, so we do have Moash popping up. Um, Kaladin's going to start whipping his, his crew into shape, and we're going to have THE Bridge Four. Capital letters underlined, and people, you know, get tattoos with that because it's Bridge Four. Yep. Um, All right. Uh, uh, do you know what happened with Dalinar catching the claw, and then his shard plate started to glow a little bit? Like, why? Yeah. Like, what's what's going on there? Is that just... Because we get it from Adolin's perspective when it happens, and right. he's... Could when, he be harvesting Stormlight, I think, is the question. Well, not while he's wearing Shardblade. Like, you, you, it's just harder. You it's not impossible. No, the, the Shardplate sucks all the Stormlight out of you. We see that in Words of Radiance during the big four-man duel. Yeah, but keep in mind, he binds with the, the Stormfather. I mean, Which he hasn't done really, yet. He hasn't done yet, but it's starting because Stormfather's sending him the vision. It That's that's a really powerful sprint. It might be able to overpower the Shardplate. I don't know. Or maybe it just looks cool, and it's just sort of like a... It could be the shard plate itself. Because it is... It, the the summary does say it's he has shard plate enhanced strength. It could just be the glow from the shard plate itself. Maybe. I Essentially, just... when you see something glowing, it's leaking investiture. So you sort of have to ask, what is leaking investiture and why? Just We're three books in, and we still don't know exactly what was going on with this and that's frustrating to me because like i feel well, like we, we should have gotten know, this one yet we do know that in kaladin's chapter when he's running the plank back and forth uh it does say that every time he felt like he uh was about to collapse he found a reserve of strength from somewhere 
And later we find out that all of his spheres from Payday have gone done. So, uh, yep. yeah, he should have saved those for a bridge run. But for him, like, we definitely know Kaladin is using Stormlight in some way. Like, we know that. There's no question there. I think, I think it's because, Mike, you're concerned because you think Shardplate should be blocking it. My, from what I remember of Shardplate, it's just uncomfortable. Like, Shardblades and Shardplate are uncomfortable to, to interact with when you bonded with a sprint. Um, Shardblade is that it will scream in your head because it's a dead sprint. And you're you're bonded to a live spread, and it's it's bad. Yeah. Shard plate. Um, when Kaladin picks up the helmet and puts it on his fist to act as a as a buckler, it sucks all the stormlight out of him and starts glowing super duper bright because it was already cracked because it, yeah, but it took all of his um, stormlight. Right, it's trying to repair itself. Dalinar's shard plate is fully repaired, so. It's 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 not like it's night blood and just eats investiture. It probably has a max investiture it can hold, and it's already holding that. And Dalinar is you know he's probably using a little bit of stormlight. He's he's defending somebody. He's doing cool nightly things. It's he's I, probably channeling stormlight. I like that theory. All right, we'll go with that until and unless we learn something else. So November. Yeah, it looks like the power of shard plate is provided by continuous infusion of stormlight from gemstones. So once those gemstones are f- filled, where's the investiture going to go? It has to leak out. It's close. Yeah, I think that's that's my. I, I'm going to go with that here. Now, presumably, like proper night radiant active shard plate won't have that issue. But probably this is this is old busted shard plate. Maybe we'll see in Rhythm of War, which is going to be coming this year, guys. This is not the new hotness. This is the old and busted. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about the epigraphs. Uh, Oh, yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure they're written by Hoyd, right? Yes, this is the letter from Hoyd to Frost, who is a dragon on Yolen. So, this is is the biggest bit of Cosmere world building that we've probably seen to date. Uh, we're actually getting some good meta information here. Not yet, um, but looking ahead in the future chapters, we get name dropped of AT, who was ruined, Raze, which is uh, Odium, Odium, however you say it, um, and we also get uh, Bavadin, who's Autonomy. Yep. Name dropped. Plus, he also name drops Cell and how the two shards that were there were uh, shattered by. Aona and Sky. Or splintered, I'm sorry. Splintered. We're splintered by Odium. So we already know that. I don't think we've had the information that Honor has been shattered. I think we find out at the end of this book, I believe. Uh, Yeah, it's we get it from Dal- one of Dalinar's last visions. Right. So Which then causes him that. problems because he starts telling people that the Almighty is dead. And weirdly, the Voran Church doesn't like it when people do that. They mm. think that's bad. I wonder why they would think that. Yeah, yeah, it seems unusual. Uh, also, I was reading something on the Reddit, uh, the subreddit for Cosmere, about the differences between Honor's approach versus Cultivation's approach when it comes to ODM. Because Cultivation uses Dalinar. Like, that's that's her tool. Like, her way of dealing with ODM. Like, Honor's way is the Oath Pack. Developing this Oath Pack. There's some loophole that was built in, which unfortunately had the heralds suffer, and they couldn't take it anymore before they finally like broke for reals. Um, yeah, honor's thing that, is direct opposition, and cult- honor's thing is direct opposition. Sure. Um, 
you know, the honorable path yeah. where cultivation's thing is developing tools, i.e. people, um, or cultivating them, one might say, to uh, do the job for you. So the big question is Taravindian. Is he actually a tool of cultivation? Is he is he the spy? He might be. That's a really good question because he got his like he he went he sought out the old magic. Was it right. via cultivation? Like did she step in he, like she did with Dalinar? That is a gift of the Night Mother, who is a friend of cultivation. Right, but she doesn't work in quite the same way that cultivation does. True. I'm just wondering, but, like, Dalinar thought he went to Night Mother, Night Watcher, who was that? Oh, is it Night? It what? might be Night Watcher. Okay. Um, yeah, Dalinar went there and thought he talked to the Night Watcher, but it was actually Cultivation. She stepped in yes. and, and did things differently. The same thing could have happened to Taravindian. That's that's sort of what I'm wondering. I mean, especially but, given the power level of what he had mentally, you know, the big brain Taravindian. Like, is anyone else picturing the Night Watcher as like this poor, overworked retail worker, and it's just let me refer you to my manager? <laughs> no, I mean, I always like, got the sense a... that the Night Watcher enjoyed it, and like you know, picking the boons and the curses, and you know, having some fun with it, right? Like, and then the... this problem customer shows up, and you've got to turn it over to someone who's paid a little more than you. Like, like the guy who uh, it's in one of the interludes. It's like his dad, I think, went, sought the old magic, and just wanted, you know, some way to feed his family for the winter, so he got a bunch of cloth, and his curse was that he saw the world upside down from then on, and it, like, once he got used to it, it was fine. Man, I would hate that. But you'd get used to it pretty quick. You so. would get used to it, yeah. But yeah, so, so that, that was the big theory I was reading about, about Taravindian. He could be a spy for cultivation. Like, he joined with ODM, but that's part of the diagram. Like, I think he explicitly says that was part of the diagram. Like, that whole exchange and him agreeing to work with ODM is part of the diagram. So, that is planned. The question is, is he on Team Good Guys, ultimately, or is he not? Well, he believes himself to be on Team Good Guys. However, he also believes that the ends justifies the means, which, with a few very specific exceptions, is counter to the very laws and mechanics of the world of Roshar. Yeah. So there's some interesting things going on. But the whole point is that the epigraphs were written by Hoyt. We get some great Cosmere world building from it. Hopefully Dave will at least recognize the name drop of Cell. I'm not sure if he remembers the name of the planet on Atlantis, because I think every time we bring it up, I have to say it's Cell. But that's this is where we actually find out why it's so weird on Elantra, because they were splintered, the, the shards that were there. Mm-hmm. And we now know Odium's point, like what his goal is, which is splinter all of the shards so that way he has all the power. And so far we know he's shattered four. I think he did Ambition first, uh, Devotion and Dominion, and Honor. I think those are the only four, because he's been trapped here thanks to honor and cultivation. And so, meanwhile, yeah, I mean, autonomy, while she likes autonomy for her planets, she is messing with stuff outside of her planets, and she's messing with uh, harmony in some way, is all we know. So and the, she's also uh, named on. That's bad. The, the epilogues are um, death rattles in two sections. Epigraphs, not epilogues. Epigraphs, sorry. The epigraphs are death rattles in two sections, part one and part five. Uh, the letter in part two, 
and Yasna's notes in part three, and then there's nothing in part four. Really? I don't remember. Or no, it just, it just continues on. Okay, I'm 50. And that starts at 52. No, there's something in part four. Maybe part four and part five are all death rattles. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think they are. Bill Knight okay. says there's nothing in part five. Oh, there's nothing in part five. Okay. That's the one. Okay. So yeah, we get two rounds of death rattles, Yasna's notes, and the letter. Okay. Yeah, cool stuff. So do we have anything else or are we winding down? Oh, I am glad that Dave already hates Sidious. You're going to hate that booger. <laughs> yes. Going for the Zane Award. Oh, yeah. Uh, speaking of, of Sadius, uh, he just outright says why he uses the bridge crews here, which is something that Kaladin spends like the next third of the book trying to figure out why on earth that keeps happening. Right. So, so yeah, we get we get the answer to a character mystery, except that character isn't privy to said answer. Ooh. So the name of that chapter is The Decoy, and you think that they're talking about the time when Sadius was being a decoy for the king, but he's actually talking about the bridge crews being the decoy. There's some double layers there. Yeah. A lot of these chapter names. Oh, oh, one other thing I want to say is I feel like the High Princes are sort of like, and I, I apologize for our foreign listeners, I am American, so I know American history, and I'm sort of reminded of the Confederacy, which was what the U.S. was originally, way back in the that sweet spot for a few years before we decided not to be a Confederacy, and, and none of the states could agree on anything, it was a disaster, they all wanted to do their own thing, that is the High Princes, they want to do their own thing. All right. I think we're winding down, so I'm going to go ahead and call it here. So, That's bye, everybody. Yeah. Good night, Internet. Bye. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.